What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Life Uncaged podcast. I'm your host, Emma Zia, and I'm sitting here today with an incredible human and a second guest on the show, Chent Thambaya. So welcome back. What's up? What's up? (laughs) So this is obviously round two of us doing a podcast, and I'm super, super excited. For those of you that didn't catch the first one, it was episode 29, and we just dived into all things metaverse blockchain we tapped into awakening energy presence and all of the good things so today's just going to be another kind of free-flowing conversation just to see what's an update in the technology space um and also we were just talking before we jumped on about how i would love to dive into a little bit more of the energetics awareness awakening and things like that because what we were saying just before we jumped on to record is how you know this is a very pivotal topic at the moment and and we really you know both of us with the work that we're doing in the spaces that we're playing in we just really want to share this wisdom and knowledge through our own awakening experience as much as possible to support those going through the same so I'll give the little professional bio so Chentham Baya is a visionary innovator entrepreneur and founder specializing in disruptive technologies such as virtual augmented reality and web3 and blockchain As well as running and growing multiple companies, he has a passion for giving back and guiding the next wave of innovators and entrepreneurs that will shape our future. Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) So that being said, since we last spoke, what is any changes or updates in that metaverse space? And maybe even for those listening that haven't caught part one, can you just give like a really brief overview again of, of what you're doing in the space? Sure. I, I love uh, I love this topic because there's always a new trend. There's always a new meta technology uh, strategy, but it always comes down to principles. And, and that's been a testament to how, I can, how I've been able to survive in this space for so long. So if we look at uh, the radio, you know, or the newspaper eventually became a radio, the radio eventually became a TV, the TV became a smartphone. Uh, or an iPod, then then came the internet, and now comes the metaverse. So it's just the natural evolution in how we experience content, experience the world, how we share ourselves, how we communicate, how we socialize. It's just another tier of it. Uh, what the metaverse allows is, is instead of us being limited to a 2D screen, we now can step into a 3D space. That's pretty much it. So that, that extra uh, dimension, you could say, adds a, a space for innovators, creators, businesses. How do how does a, a business that markets or operates in the 2D world operate in the in a 3D world, right? And that's where the metaverse is starting to take form and take shape. So for me, I'm I'm you could say a futurist. I love the the little name tags, uh, my my little intro, because I was I actually forgot what my intro was and I was just <laughs> listening to what I am, right? <laughs> or these name tags that I wear now. Um, but uh, hey, we're, we're everything. So uh, as a futurist, you could even say, I love just human evolution, uh, feeling out how the, the, the trajectory of the world. And that excites me because I'm here, you're here for a, for a, a little speck. You know, our life, our, our life is just this little dot. And when life is up, uh, we played whatever purpose we meant to play. And it's all a game. And you'll find that at the end of the life, you, you lived out your purpose per- perfectly right? Regardless what you thought of it. So I love aligning myself with that and feeling up the role that I've been given or the or the gift and the insight and the perspective I've been given to just notice my awareness and attention on technology and on the trajectory of technology and on human evolution. So that's dived me full, fully into blockchain, into uh, metaverse, anything disruptive, 
And I have a couple of startups there where we're creating content platforms. I'm coaching other founders and startups on what they can, how they can innovate in the space themselves as well. Uh, that's pretty much like what the metaverse is, how it's changed. It hasn't changed at all, in my opinion, because I, I, I'm, I'm fixed in fundamentals. So the principles are the same. It's just like, how has the internet changed? It's still there. It's still prominent. It's, it's well, it's changed a lot, right? But it's also exactly the same. So on, on a surface level, there's waves. You know, we there was a massive bull run in, tech, in, in crypto, which means everything is pumping. There's, it's all over the media. Bitcoin is going to $100,000. And now we've been in a bear market, which just means um, crypto was a scam, blah, 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 right? So we're just in one of those cycles again, and it just repeats and repeats and repeats. So in the bear market, you see the, the hype is down. Um, Metaverse is now just a, a childish thing that no one has any faith in anymore. Well, that's what the headlines say. But the real builders are behind the scenes using this time to build something valuable, uh, some sort of an asset that they can bring to the market on the next next bull run. So that's what we've been doing. We've had our heads down, building something that can actually give value to people and it's smart and it's innovative. But at the same time, I've been fully into coaching and going through life myself or this human experience myself. So I'm super excited to, to get into the awareness side of things too, which we don't. Mm. Oh, so many questions. <laughs> like where to start? But I would love to speak into, and this might be a bit of a hard hitting question, but we're there for it. So I want to ask you with like the, you know, the advancement of AI, I saw a lot of um, newspaper articles come out this week about how a lot of, you know, pioneers in the AI space are saying, can we just pause this for a moment? Because it's advancing at such a rapid rate that almost the collective aren't going to be able to keep up with it. And the things that I'm seeing is actually blowing my mind constantly. And I'm, I feel like I'm still kind of getting used to social media being a thing, like let alone that. But I'm also very much wanting to educate myself on it because I do genuinely believe that survival is about adaption. And so I wanted to ask you, what's your thoughts on the advancement of AI and human consciousness and how those two might interlink and directly affect each other? Yeah, it's it's like the fundamental universal laws or truths, right? Like what what is is what it is, right? Like everything happening is happening. And that's that's a fact. So we're the 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 level of AI, like in this moment in time, right now, everything that is is perfect or it wouldn't have happened. So if that's the case, and if if the case is that AI is skyrocketing in this uh you know exponential rate and growing at this rate, that's what is. So whatever our thoughts and opinions on that it's it's if you can just recognize what is you can play with what is mm. so, and you'll find a lot of people like the elon musk who's developing Neuralink. they understand that and they are even elon spoke to put a pause on it right so I, I look at it like this every every piece of technology has been an aid for us humans Right, we we innovate and invent things to aid us or or create more convenience in our life. Whether whether the aid is even dopamine, so you'll see things like gaming and so social media as just I want more dopamine, so I'm going to innovate these things. But it also takes the the socializing box. So even if it's good for us or not on a on a natural level, uh, it still is an enhancement of a human. So AI has been. Uh, prominent for many years, but now it's in a it's in a form. It's almost developed that it's taken a form that we can actually see. So AI has been behind the scenes of every app. AI has been behind the scenes of the internet, but now it's in a place where 
um, chat GPT, right? You can you can really see it and it's starting to do other people's jobs for us, you could say. I, I had a really good chat with my my team about this actually the other day. It's like we think that if AI grows enough that it can do all of our jobs, that humans will be moved out of existence, but not necessarily. We just become the 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 ones who manage the AI systems. So it's like if my capacity right now is to handle ten jobs a week, but AI can do all ten for me, my capacity might be to manage the AI that can handle a thousand jobs for me. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just the way it is. So it's almost like even this right now is is I'm a cyborg, right? This is glued to me all the time. It's it's almost like a symbiotic relationship. This is one with me. You'll find that AI enhancements will probably integrate with humans more than they actually have now. They've already already they've already integrated with us. And there's intrusive methods like Neuralink that in our time right now, it's like, oh, we'd never do that. I'd never drill a hole in my head and put put some sort of like USB cable in there. But if you look at a lot of the things we're doing now, they said the same thing a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. So I truly feel that uh, AI and technology will become more integrated with the human body and they'll probably use fashion to to bridge that gap or become fashionable, just like a Apple Watch, right? We don't realize it, but it's already happening. Mm-hmm. And it'll be done in a way that isn't deemed as intrusive when it starts to hit mass market. And it will be things like AI within my contact lenses, AI within my glasses, uh, uh, just extremely convenient for me. Uh, there will be probably more of a focus on human betterment and uh, making sure this 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 uh, physical vessel, this biological vessel is healthy as well. Because yes, we may be able to manage everything by just sitting in a chair and looking within our minds to manage all of these AI systems to do our jobs for us. But then that brings a, a greater need for movement, uh, human connection, and things, and then initiatives and businesses will will fill that need, right? So there is actually a beautiful future I see where we are all integrated with AI, but the importance of human interaction and human socialization is even more so than it is now, because we're going to need that, right, in that future. Mm, absolutely, well said. I want to ask you: Should the, and I my I'm anticipating the response, but should there be a concern around? us almost losing certain abilities like creativity, for example, because of the use of AI. Do you think that's something to be concerned about? Or do you think that we're naturally going to adapt and tap into different qualities that we've maybe not tapped into yet as a collective? 100% what you said uh, second, because we had this, we're building a content platform right now. And we we also, we explore possibilities. So we, we thought, do we want to make it AI friendly? Do we want to make... Uh, we, do we want to allow AI created video content to populate our platform? And does that take away from any of the users? Because you could just create all your content via AI right now, but it's missing one thing. It's missing human touch. Mm-hmm. And most people don't haven't aligned with themselves or uh, awakened to intuition and how to channel that in order to fully capitalize human touch. Because it's our superpower. It's something that AI can never have. We can teach it human touch, but but teaching comes from the mind and intuition comes from soul. So no matter what the mind creates as an AI system, I feel like it will actually evolve us as humans to further tap into consciousness and learn how to channel that into our everyday actions to differentiate ourselves from the AI tasks that, that we do. 
Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And I've got this on um, my consulting company website that, you know, with the raise of, sorry, rise of AI and automation, this is an opportunity to capitalize on what truly makes us human, which is emotional and energetic intelligence. So I think that there's such an opportunity for that. But I really do think it depends on the individual and where their current state of consciousness is, because this is what I'm interested in seeing with the development of these technologies. And I'm already seeing it with like AI filters and things like this on social media is I think people that are still holding a lot of insecurity might start to lose themselves in these technologies because the technology will interject at the part of you that you you don't feel enough in or, you know, like like the AI filters. And, and I was seeing the other day, a friend of mine um, had this photo shoot done completely AI based and she was starting to post those pictures as her profile pictures. And it's really interesting for me because I'm I'm sitting at this precipice of understanding that that's where a lot of this is going to go. But also like there is a part of me that thinks, is that just going to interject at people that are so deeply insecure with their body and how they look that we're just going to be catfished left, right and center. We're not going to know what's real and what's not. And maybe there's a beautiful, you know, uh, chance to get lost in imagination with that and, and for that to birth something new. But also it does concern me when people hold a lot of insecurities. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say where where all the big leaders are saying hold off on AI sort of comes from that. There's a there's a there's a there's a I'm going to make up my own words, but an unreadiness mm. in the current state of humanity where the conscious ability of you know the average the average human is probably not at a level where they can uh, comprehend or be one with. The rapid changes that it would lead to suffering but here's the key it would lead to probably mass suffering but suffering is the pathway to enlightenment so it's very interesting what's <laughs> where humanity is being led to so i get it but also if we find ourselves in that dark future mm. uh so be it that's that must be the way if we find ourselves there right <laughs> mm. oh, this is why i love talking to you <laughs> <laughs> I love speaking with non-dual people like my my brother is really into non-duality and it's so funny because no matter what question I ask I'm always anticipating what the response is going to be because everything yeah. is perfect right everything is is working towards equilibrium and balance and everything is perfect in this moment and I think you've just touched on such a, a powerful point that we're each going to be affected by this in different ways and I think wherever you are you know, if you if you are holding a lot of insecurities and kind of AI is you you might be getting lost in that, then that is your path and that's what you're here to learn. And so I think that that's really, really cool. You touched on that. What do you see? Like, how do you see AI and all of these technologies? Um, how are they going to impact and influence the coaching and mentoring space? I would say it would allow us, this is a, a pro AI response. Uh, it would, oh, actually interesting answers. I'm just getting all these downloads. <laughs> <It> <laughs> It would allow us to reach more than we've ever reached before. Uh, it would allow us to impact deeper than we've ever impacted before because there's going to be a lot of businesses that create AI coaching where you may not need. And, and if it's if it's AI coaching that's really available, you can imagine that the, the cost of coaching is going to drastically reduce, right? So anyone can just get a pocket coach, right? So then what happens to the person that, you know, is charging X amount of dollars? It's like the value of that person will go up. The, the value of uh, an intuitive coach, a conscious coach, a conscious guide is going to skyrocket. And even more so, it's going to force 
or service-based businesses like Okay, I've just lost you for a second. Are you back? No yeah, we'll start with we'll start that question again. Yeah. Technology's trying to interrupt because this is really juicy. Yeah, I've never had that happen to me. <laughs> there you go. Strong energy. Sorry, carry on. Uh, yeah, so so as a coach, it's going to the influence of AI is going to create a lot of automated coaching that's going to make it readily available and reduce the cost. But also there's going to be a high demand in in conscious coaching or intuitive coaching because you know what it's like with coaching is people sign people sign up thinking that they're going to get an answer to a problem and yes but they always get pointed to something much deeper that it's almost like they get pointed to the thing that is pointing itself right it's like consciousness is pointing to consciousness but a, a conscious individual or, or one that can speak from that place can invoke that place within the person they're speaking to I don't think AI can do that. AI could do that from a mental standpoint. It could try to do it, but even when it comes to consciousness, you can't try to speak as consciousness because you are consciousness. Mm. So I'm very curious, right? It's very interesting. I wonder if AI can ever get to a point where it believes it's consciousness, but even then that's a belief. It's a mental belief. It's not a intuitive knowing. Mm. So yeah, it's a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> coaching industry, I feel like a massive uh, uh, a rebalancing uh will happen and i can only see positives but maybe that's because i've become i've come to a point of point of peace with what is mm -hmm. and i'm just moving with that knowing deep in my heart that that's how it's going to be i like an individual like myself is going to be more sought after and i'm also going to leverage ai to impact a lot of people as well so win-win right <laughs> mm, absolutely i love that and yeah like as you were saying with the whole ai and consciousness I've actually, I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday who's involved in the, the Melbourne TEDx events coming up and they're going to be doing one specialized in that. So I definitely want to try and get a ticket. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, it's it's hard to even perceive conscious, obviously it's hard to perceive consciousness without being that conscious awareness, but then maybe like could AI be programmed to a point where they can see things that goes beyond the human ego because the ego doesn't exist in AI and that could actually be a way that AI is or like I'm thinking more like robots and things like that is actually going to point out people's blind spots because, you know, there is without that ego. So that's a really interesting space to explore more, actually. And I want to I want to do a bit more research on that, but mind blowing. Um, so I want to ask you a bit of a heavy hitting question again. What's your thoughts on simulation theory? <laughs> That's a very good question. I I remember I first looked into this. I had a massive. I think we all do, right? We we always have a conspiracy phase. Uh, when was my conspiracy phase? Two thousand and eleven ish. So I'm I'm thirty three now. I think around twenty one, twenty two. Mm -hmm. I went deep into reptilian simulation theory, the multiverse. Mm -hmm. But I've never actually been asked that question from this side. Mm -hmm. So what I would say that's a very I'm gonna. I want to ask you a question. To to your like, how would you summarize simulation theory? Very good question. Um, I mean, from what I know, I would say it's that. Oh, again, it's so <laughs> such an interesting question because what am I about to say? I can see from like multiple perspectives, but essentially, it's it's the concept that you know this reality isn't 
real as such and it's just a simulation and and kind of that matrix thing of we're actually just being plugged into some sort of machinery and we're, we're just experiencing this as like a virtual reality but it's interesting because when I say that I'm also like even from a consciousness perspective technically this reality is not quote-unquote real as such you know because it's all perception based but yeah yeah I, I would say it's <laughs> it's true but it's not true to the extent we think I feel that we are all consciousness and we experience this physical world through these physical bodies. For what reason? Who knows? I can, I can have my perception on it, right? The perception maybe it's funny and life brought me to a point where, where I started to question my own life, losing mom, et cetera. And the, the question I used to ponder on a lot was what's the point, what's the meaning of life, right? I think we all get to that point. What's the purpose of life? Why should I keep living? Why don't I, why shouldn't I just end it right now? And eventually I got to the conclusion that the point of life is to experience experiences because you can't take anything with you. And, and who is the one? And it's almost like I came to that conclusion when I was 14, because that's when I lost my mom. But I didn't get what that meant until I asked myself now. Yeah, because who is the one experiencing? Consciousness mm -hmm. is experiencing. And yeah. through its experiences, its experience expands. So mm -hmm. it's like this, this self-experiencing, self-expanding space that you could say is already limitless itself so for some random purpose i exist humans exist and consciousness is experiencing human life through this body on this sensory plane so mm -hmm. if i had to say this simulation theory exists i would say yes and i would probably call it the sen sensory simulation <laughs> something mm -hmm. along the lines that the human the, the human simulation right that's probably what I would call it mm, yeah that's so interesting and so would you say like how were you living life differently pre-14 when you went through the death of your mom and then post-14 I'd love to understand that that turning point yeah uh, I would say pre-14 I was uh or any happy-go-lucky uh ignorant as bliss you're 14, you know, you're still a kid. So you're just um, having fun. I'm playing with my friends. I'm doing all of that. And then it's sort of like the, the 14 to the 28 era. That was when, uh, let me try to figure out life. I was sort of going through that. And figuring out life is like figuring out my goals, figuring out career, figuring out purpose, figuring out universe. And then as you start to figure out universe, that sort of leads you into these rabbit holes where you see the one who's trying to figure out as you're figuring out and you sort of feel like you're losing your mind. Um, and then you, it sort of just clicks. And even when it clicks, you even see the one it clicked for, which is another, another trap door. Right? Mm. <laughs> and then you fall into that. So it's now it's just this, uh, I can see, I can see the one who sit, sit out on the conquest to figure it out. And I can see him right now. And that's it. That's it. There's nothing else to figure out. I can see him right now. I can see him right now. And he does what he does because he's the mind, right? Or the mind has created him. So I get to see him. I get to experience him. I get to experience Shent. I get to experience life as Shent. Yeah. So now it's like I can go, I can figure out whatever I want to figure out, but I don't need to figure it out because I am. But that doesn't stop me from figuring it out. So I can go for everything, you know? <laughs> I love it. Okay, so I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into this because I'm assuming what you're speaking about is like the identity. So you as the personified version of consciousness as Chent Thambaya, 
and then conscious awareness itself. So let's dive into this a little bit deeper. How would you kind of explain to someone that might be completely new to this concept or idea or experience? How would you almost explain to them what you've just said about the identity and then the awareness? Perfect. So there's this there's this name you have and you think this name is you. Uh, if someone's watching this as a video podcast or if someone's listening to this, you can do the same thing. So right now, literally as I speak, so this word, this word, this word, you're you're hearing it, right? You're 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 picking it up through these ears. So you are using your ears to listen. You are using the ears to listen. Ears aren't listening. You are using ears to listen. Eyes aren't looking. You are using the eyes to see. So what is using the ears or what is using the eyes? And if you put attention on what is behind, you start to notice there's this strange sensation. It's like this space. It almost feels like you, if you wanted to put a label on it, you might, you'll be like, yeah, that's my mind. But okay, you can see the mind too. When you put attention on that space, you start to notice that you start to feel different. It's almost like whatever I'm trying to explain, it doesn't even, you'll just notice a, 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 an instant shift as you're noticing yourself right now, right? For you too, for me, that's what you are. You, you are the one behind the eyes. You are the one behind the ears. You are the one behind the mind. That's how I, I can only express this from an experience, right? Because mm -hmm. you are you are beyond expression. You are beyond behind comprehension. Mm -hmm. You are the one that experiences all including this experience mm. and that's it <laughs> you can't answer it <laughs> I love that it's it's so simple that it's hard to comprehend from the human level of comprehension and I know like for those of you listening if you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle and Rhonda Byrne and Michael Singer and you know all of these um widely recognized authors this is they all speak about the same thing and one thing I love that Rhonda Byrne speaks about in her wait is it Rhonda Byrne yeah in her book um the real I think it's the real secret I'm not sure if you've read it yeah so this is when she moved beyond the secret and actually into non-duality and wrote the real secret um she says in that book to ask yourself the question am I aware and as soon as you ask yourself that question, you then become aware of being aware. And it's just kind of this resting in awareness. Um, it's a really fascinating phenomenon. And I'm I'm really like excited to see this knowing come to light. And it's it, this is what I find really interesting about everything we're speaking about right now is it's almost like I was saying before, not comprehensible by the human mind. And therefore it's hard to almost find the words to actually articulate it. And exactly as you were saying, it's more like, how can we create or curate experiences to allow people to experience it without actually communicating it through words because it is such a felt experience. Well so said. Yeah. Well really, really interesting. So when you were talking about, you know, from the ages of, uh, when you're like in your 20s trying to discover life and life purpose and things like that and you realize that you know the purpose of life is to experience experiences what would you say to someone that's maybe looking for like the and I want to do quote unquote individual purpose like what's your perspective like do you think people do have an individual purpose is it just one collective purpose do you think there's a lot of pressure on purpose like I would just love to hear your thoughts on that yeah I funny that uh 
sometimes you find yourself talking about things in meetings or clients or maybe it was just to myself right <laughs> uh I, I found I found myself saying that there's 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 the the character's purpose or the identity's purpose, but if you take a step behind that, there's your existential purpose, like the purpose of your existence, right? And and they both dance with each other. So sometimes we'll be living our character's purpose, but it'll feel like you're not, you're still not, something is still not being ticked because there's a purpose of the, your existence that is not uh, aware of. And ironically, the purpose of your existence is just awareness itself. That that's it. Like if you know that wherever you find yourself, and it's quite hard. It's like quite hard to hear if you're not in the space. Like the homeless man um, addicted on addicted to meth. That's weirdly his purpose in that moment, or he would not be in that position. So the mind, the mind is then like, so what? We don't help people like that. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. You may have the purpose as a character to go and help every homeless person, and that's your purpose. That that meets with his purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So I find the figuring out of purpose is. The pressure around it is is more so a, a lack of, of awareness or consciousness of the fact that the the moment you're figuring out your purpose, that is your purpose in that moment. Like your purpose in that moment is to try figure out your purpose, right? Yeah. Which yeah. probably not not what someone wants to hear, but that's yeah. fact. But yeah. when you when when you recognize that, it's just like oh wow. And then your actual purpose, your character's purpose, is it's so much lighter. You can you can explore, you can play yeah. because before that, it's do I have the time for this? Do I have the money for this? Is this, this is the right decision for me? I don't know about this. It doesn't feel right. It feels right. You're stuck on a mind level. But if you mm -hmm. take that step back and you awake, you can say, you can you wake up to what you are. Now you, you can find yourself anywhere. You can, you can walk any path. You're not afraid. There's a deeper knowing and a trust. Yeah. <laughs> mm, absolutely. It's so interesting because I almost feel like each and every one of us have, as humans have it ingrained in us to want to answer the question, who am I and what is my purpose here? Yeah. And some people set out on that quest and some people don't, but I think we're never truly going to know. It's like we're always chasing something that isn't a definite answer because everyone else is going to have an individual perspective and understanding of that same question. And so I think that the people that almost put so much pressure on themselves to find their purpose is more so an attempt to actually add meaning to life because maybe they feel a lack of sense of belonging or something going on on a deeper level. So they're wanting to be somewhere else than where they are right now. And it really just ties in and circles back to what you just said about that is your purpose in that moment. I don't believe we're ever going to know the answer to that question. I believe that question is, is there for a reason to keep us growing, to keep us driving towards something beyond ourselves and exploring all of these new territories in our minds and in our bodies and in our relationships and you know with life itself and I think there is so much beauty in that and people just almost um I want to say and obviously lack is a, an illusion but for the sake of this conversation I want to say like uh, a lack of patience like I feel like a lot of people lack the patience because they're so obsessed with the destination and the outcome and the, the definitive answer. And it is just coming back to the fact that life is a complete journey and, and the process. And as we're moving towards our desires, I believe we're always calibrating towards our highest alignment. So if we're always calibrating, it's impossible to go backwards. It's, it's impossible to, to fall into, you know, a worse place than you were before. It's just the journey and the process of calibrating to that desire is always going to bring up contrasting experiences because that gives us understanding and it gives us 
perspective and therefore the universe expands at large. Um, Yeah. So it's really, really interesting. So I love it. I've got tingles in my body. (laughs) I want to ask you, do you meditate? It's very different now. Good question. I meditation began for me. Well, firstly, I was anti, I don't have time to close my eyes and I'm not into that kind of stuff. It started with that. I was very analytical, atheist, science, heavy mind. That was my like origins. Um, maybe all of us are. <laughs> and then I sort of got into this point, like I had to be showing it. Like I literally had to have a mentor that had a Ferrari and a mansion to tell me meditate. And I was like, oh, okay, to meditate to get that? Definitely. Yes, sir. Right. So then I started meditating um, to, to, as a transaction, like this must be, I must, there must be something in here that I'm, that I need to find. So then I approached meditation like that. And the irony was, um, I found, it was even an illusion. I found peace, but I found a thought of peace. I didn't recognize. So then for a long time, I even was like, wow, I'm so peaceful now. I'm so relaxed. Um, I am emotion. I am emotion. Like not, I am right. So then I started teaching people. I'm like, man, this meditation stuff, you, you need to do it. You're so stressed. And then I started teaching people as a coach <laughs> to meditate, to get somewhere, right? And then <laughs> that led to even my own deeper awakenings where I started using meditation, relying on meditation. When I don't meditate, I'm, I'm a mess. When I do meditate, I'm great. And I could just see, it just led me to deeper uh, truths, you could say. And then I started to recognize that in meditation, I'm just recognizing myself. It's like I'm sitting down with a mirror and I just see myself. And then I started to have that experience for a while. I'm like, oh, wow. So I don't need to look for anything when I close my eyes. And then I started to notice um, I was seeing myself when my eyes are open. So then I started to notice meditation. The action of meditation is a state. It's a state of stillness. And stillness does not... I am stillness. So it's not that I'm only stillness when my eyes are closed, but I'm stillness when my eyes are open. And then and then came this point of, so I don't need to meditate, right? <laughs> so then I stopped meditation fully. And this was like literally like six months ago. Mm-hmm. And then I started to notice um, I almost was denying the human experience of meditation mm-hmm. because I am and my mind had grasped that. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that I wasn't as relaxed or as calm because I wasn't meditating at all mm-hmm. but I noticed I was peace behind I was at peace behind the frustration mm-hmm. but you don't need to be peaceful behind frustration you could still be peaceful behind calm it's just like what is the human experience you want to experience mm-hmm. so then nowadays I will generally spend some time uh daily whether it's five minutes whether it's 45 minutes uh whether it's a moment to just sit with myself and close my eyes for the sake of that for the human experience of meditation, but I'm at a place now where I am, whether my eyes are closed or, or my eyes are open. And I've come to recognize that through all of that, right? And that was like a 10-year process, right? <laughs> yes. And this is what I want to speak into because I've had a very similar experience. Like someone asked me, I think it was around six months ago, um, do you meditate? And I said, I meditated until I realized that life was a meditation. And it's really interesting because I've been meditating since I was 
so young. Like I was having out of body experiences when I was five, six, seven years old. And I would say that I started consciously meditating when I was around 15 because my dad meditates every day. So I've just always been around that and got introduced to Joe Dispenza and, and everything like that. And similar to you, I've meditated consistently for so long. Like we're, we're talking like, you know, a couple of, well, not a couple of decades, not quite, but like 15 years trying so many different meditations, guided self-inquiry, all of these things. And I think that's when it just hit me where I realized that the med, like my state wasn't different in meditation than it was in my day-to-day life. And I really moved into such a deep level of contemplation because I've realized that that's really how I learn about life and that's how I receive my wisdom and what I teach with others is purely through contemplating on on myself my life experiences my relationships like I create so much space to just contemplate like I'm talking like about three sometimes four five hours a day I will just sit there in space and contemplate and people say to me like what books do you read what do you listen to um I I might read like a few chapters of a book like three times a year. But what happens with me is when I start to read, I'll I'll just read like a paragraph and then my consciousness opens up into so many perspectives of that one little thing that I've read that I then sit there for hours just contemplating on it. So for me to actually finish a book is very rare. I think I've only finished two or three books in my entire life. And it's not that I don't enjoy reading. It's just I've really realize that one of my kind of superpowers as Emma or whatever you want to call it is the ability to contemplate and then come to an integrational understanding and then share that and it's been really interesting because I've realized how guided meditations and reading books and and certain things like that have actually blocked my own wisdom from coming through and I think this is sometimes, I think everything has a place. I think everything has a place. I think guided meditations are fantastic if that's what is required for you at that time. And that's how I started out. Um, And I think it's just understanding where you're at in your life. And I do believe that people can, you know, instantly have that shift and then their whole life becomes a a meditation. And you hear that so often, especially in the non-duality space. But also like meet yourself where you're at. Like if guided meditation is, is the tool that's required for you to access you know, your energy, your consciousness beyond your physicality, then go for it, do it. And you'll get to a place where then you might meditate by yourself. And, and one thing that I really love to do, especially with my private clients is I love to teach them from the get-go how to meditate without external stimuli, but I'm not against guided meditation. It's more so just that I love the resilience and self-awareness that's developed through that process. I think one of the most difficult things for humanity as a collective is to sit with yourself and to actually not become the thoughts, to not become the emotions, to not become the physical sensations, but just to witness it all. And this is where, like when you were saying about, you know, there's a calmness behind the frustration, there's a calmness behind the the peace or the joy or whatever it is. That's how I've developed that is through what I call self-inquiry. So to just sit there and witness everything without giving energy and attention to it, but just to understand what's going on in my internal reality and therefore understanding what's being mirrored back to me in my external reality. It's just given me so much self-awareness that when I'm really, really low, I'm still grounded. Like I know I've got myself because I'm not becoming that experience. I'm just witnessing it. Same as if I'm really joy and high on life. It's it's amazing to experience that contrast. And that's what we're here for as humans is to experience that range of emotions and, and, you know, the contrast of that. 
But it's also knowing that behind all of that, I'm grounded and I've got myself regardless. And one thing I will say is that, like, I speak about this so in such a relaxed way, but I cannot even emphasize how this has helped me through the darkest of times. You know, those times when the ego really kicks in and I'm having these certain thoughts and which if I wasn't able to witness those thoughts and I was becoming them, I don't even know if I'd be sitting here right now. And this is why I'm so passionate about teaching this because becoming the witness of your experience can genuinely just hold you through times that you don't know if you can hold yourself. And that's what's so important about it. 100%. Well said. You know, it comes back to purpose, your purpose in this moment. I love, you know, everyone's at a different stage, right? And even the the, the private clients that find us at the stage that we're at, for some reason, they're going to get this stage of, of awareness of, of us. So even for myself, the the experiencing your your senses, the watching your senses is something that I always begin with. The the art of of going through life as a meditation, but not as a concept, as, a, as an experience. And I love what you said about self-inquiry, because I think I first heard that statement. It's almost like you, you'll notice this a lot, where you'll come to discover things, but you you haven't labeled it. And then you'll watch something or read something and they give you the label for it. You're like, oh, that's what I'm doing, right? Um, or that's what it might be. And it's more, more so, I guess, the label found you once you were ready to see, right? <laughs> once you were there. So I think self-inquiry came through uh, 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 Ramana Mahashi. That, that's when I first started looking to Ramana Mahashi. I, he started talking about self-inquiry, self-inquiry. And I'm like, that's actually what I do. I mm-hmm. sit with myself and and there's an inquiry I'm having with myself as I'm just watching. So I even notice, like, as you say it, uh, I didn't even notice I do it sometimes, but throughout the day, there's pockets. I sort of feel their pockets, pockets where I just find myself in deep self-inquiry. And sometimes I'll find myself in self-inquiry as I'm speaking, like right now. And as you were listening, as I was listening to you just speak then, I was in self-inquiry. So it's like even self-inquiry is you could say a state of consciousness, right? Where it's it's just what's happening. You're you're watching the experience and you yeah, you're inquiring with self, or mm-hmm. self is inquiring with self, right? Mm-hmm. As as you as you are being. Yeah, such a surreal. It's almost like this is I, I just thought, hey, like for a moment just then I, I my mind kicked in just before and I was listening to you, and it was just like this is going totally over my mind, but it's because this is a this is a conversation beyond mind, but it's mm. completely making sense. So mm. it's so cool to know that right now we're we're dancing a dance that is far beyond a conversation or a podcast. You know, that's that's yeah. just cool to recognize that. Yes, I love that, and thank you for taking a moment to really like appreciate and recognize that. Um, and I think kind of on that note, one one thing that I really, again, ingrain in my clients as a way to change how they operate through life is to approach everything with curiosity, right? It's like when we are going through those those tough times and we've got the, the thoughts and the emotions that kind of feel like a low state of consciousness, it's approaching everything with a curiosity. And I think that can be really game changing. Like you were saying, like the self-inquiry, it's like, oh, I'm having this thought. Okay why is that like where where does that come from rather than being like oh my god like this is how I feel and 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 that's where we can get all consumed by our emotions or our thought patterns and that's where we stay in in the habit of who we've been and we're not opening the space to choosing who we can become moving forward and so I think that's one thing I just want to share there is 
even in life, I said this on a podcast interview the other day, like I'm such a curious person. I question fucking everything, right? Even things that I was saying to a friend the other day that I question traditions, right? Like, why do I celebrate Christmas? Why do I celebrate Easter? Why do I not, not to say that I'm not going to do those things anymore, but just to get really clear on like, is this something that has been imposed on me and I'm just in the automation of it? Or is this something I desire to choose to do for my life because it improves my quality of life? And I think questioning everything, especially like the culture you come from, the traditions, um, even like your family dynamics and ethics and morals and just things that have kind of been, you know, ingrained in you for such a young age, like question it. It doesn't mean you don't have to continue subscribing to that, but it's just allowing yourself to play with choice. And I believe that's one of the most, you know, powerful things that we as humans get to experience is the power of choice. And that's where I see this beautiful co-collaboration with, you know, our non-physical part and our physical part. And so I think like that's really, and I, I and I almost see that as a collective as well. People are questioning, obviously in the last few years, we're questioning a lot. Like we're questioning authority. There's this big uh, authority complex that's kind of been out at play in the collective consciousness over the last few years. And I just think it's so interesting and, and beautiful, but messy as well to witness people really break out of that and start to think for themselves and question things that they wouldn't have previously. Um, yeah, so I think that's quite powerful. 100%. 100%. I feel one, one, uh, just to reiterate the question element, it's, it's like move, like move with childlike faith, right. Or to, to be childlike, have a childlike curiosity. I find it's so, it's so common where someone will be listening to a podcast like this or watching something, looking for an answer and they'll be like, oh, okay, cool. So I got to, I got to put on the curiosity hat. Is that what you're saying? But it's not, it's not questioning every, everything to find an answer, right. As you say, it's just questioning it, things for the art of questioning, for the fun of questioning. There's no answer required. There's mm -hmm. an answer is just a perspective. It's ever changing. So to know that you just question for the sake of questioning. Uh, now this analysis that you're not analyzing and overanalyzing because overanalysis is just you're trying to find a conclusion to something, mm -hmm. and then that leads to paralysis. Like I can only only I can only move once I've answered this, but the answer changes in every moment. So you'd be Absolutely. stuck your whole life. Absolutely. And that's the thing. That's what I feel we're transcending as a collective is we're moving out of that binary state of consciousness. We're moving out of the right, wrong, black, right, uh, black, white, good, bad. And obviously, like, if we want to talk about organized religion, a lot of that type of mentality comes from organized religion. And as we're seeing people break out of certain traditions and, and you know, religions and things like that, I do feel like we're stepping into, wow, so it doesn't have to be right or wrong. In fact, there is no right or wrong. It's just what is right for me in this moment, what feels good for me in this moment. And not from the place of ego of what's going to satisfy my ego, but what feels good from a soul level based off of what my intuition is guiding me to do, say, or, or be, or have. And it's such an interesting time to live in, isn't it? Oh, so many things. Um, so I want to ask you, like for anyone that might be going through a spiritual awakening of sorts or spiritual unlocking, becoming aware of, of many different things and, and infinite potentialities that exist, as you know, it can be a very uncomfortable experience and it can be very rocking. And obviously I don't know the ins and outs of your experience, but is there anything you could share for anyone that might be going through that uncomfortable stage? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Uh uh, I was going to share this and I'll share this plus something because I noticed when I was going through that, 
this is what people shared to me and it didn't help at all it was um surrender so it's it's like how you know like i am i I am surrendering but um this man this quote always comes back to me it's uh everything makes sense in hindsight that's that's all i can really say is you're not going to know the answer you're looking for you're not going to get the answer you're looking for now you're not going to know how to surrender now until you surrender you're not going to know if you're if you're finally aware until you're aware you could say you're not going to know until you know so if that's the case there's no possible way you're going to find the answer uh give up right and and figure out what giving up means and you're not going to know that until you give up right so live there just live there Mm -hmm. and strap in live there and strap in (laughs) thank you right surrender and strap in done mic drop (laughs) yeah and honestly like oh it's just surrender is such a because that's what I that was my experience too and the the thing that I found is when I was going through my spiritual awakening what I was experiencing I could not make sense of it didn't make sense I couldn't understand it and I knew that I just had to go through it because certain tools that I would have used previously to change my state like guided meditation or you know certain things that would have got me out and into a different state wasn't applicable in the depth of darkness of where I was. And I just remember feeling, I have to surrender into this. I have to let go of my grip on what is known and what is certain and all of those things and actually just completely let go into the abyss. And I remember two things for me during that time that really supported me was that was one of the first times that I let people in. Like I've always been that person that supports other people and I'm the mediator and I'm like, quote unquote, the wise one. And at that time in my life, I was like, I'm fucking falling and I'm allowing people to catch me for the first time. And it was more of an intention than me reaching out to people. But as soon as I had that intention and I surrendered into it, people were messaging me being saying like, you've been on my mind. I just want to check in. Are you okay? And I was getting this left, right and center. And I was like, wow, like I finally opened up to the support of people. But I also really like anchored into my spiritual connection. And I anchored into the part of me that was that non-physical part, that part of me that wasn't having all these egotistical thoughts. And those two things just really supported me through that. And it's interesting what you say about surrender, because when people say, how do I surrender? The irony in that is, <laughs> it's mind blowing. It's right like down to the words. How do I, how I, yeah. Well, one it's... thing I want to say, what you yeah. said, I remember, I remember that point as, as we speak about it. I remember how it felt. I remember, as you say, give up everything that is certain. There's like a deep fear that you're going to lose yourself and never come back and that's the funny thing is like what is lost was never real and i remember there's a uh some sort of a blurb on a uh, a book and it was something along the lines of uh what's real lives and what and what is unreal never lived Mm. so the only thing that's lost is what was untrue the only thing that's lost when you fully let go is actually what was unreal Mm. so you by fully letting go you let the only thing that never comes back was what was a lie, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's, I feel like that was, something hit me in that point where that was, and knowing of that was enough for me to be like, okay, let me, let me go, let me see, let me see what's real, mm-hmm. right? Let me see what remains when I go, right? And I remains, I remain, right? <laughs> when Shint goes. Yes. Oh, even just that, like, 
wait what was it you said again when I like what remains when I go or something like that like that is just that in and of itself like for those of you listening if you just close your eyes for a moment and just like drop that through your body and see how it feels like thoughts are transitory emotions are transitory relationships are transitory and we know that because we live in a transitory experience and so when those transitory experiences aren't there anymore what is left is the awareness of those experiences and that just explains it all really doesn't it like if someone's kind of struggling to get their head around that um really really beautiful I remember I'd say this was right at the beginning of my awakening experience I remember I was doing a vipassana meditation guided the first time I'd ever done a vipassana and I remember that this particular meditation was where I just labeled everything so if I heard something I would label sound if I felt something I would label it feeling um if I smelt something I would label it um smelling and it was really interesting because during that like 20 it was only like 20 minutes but my body started to like shake like my nervous system started to shake and I had this feeling that my identity was being let go in that moment and like I've done heaps of meditations previously but there was something about that one that was was almost like plugging into the grander context of what I was going through in my life at that time, which was losing that identity or losing that iteration of my identity. And I just remember feeling like this grip and being like, this is it. <laughs> I'm strapping in and I'm just like fully like losing myself. And it's, it was such a pivotal moment for me because that's when I really started to dive into life purpose. And I ended up starting to teach a lot about purposes and and masterclasses and speaking gigs and stuff. And, you know, one thing I say is we almost have to let go of who we think we are in order to become who we know we have the potential to be. And it is, and it was from that one moment that I realized I had to let go of who I thought I was in that moment, that iteration of myself in order to fully open up to the experience that I was about to embark on, which was my spiritual awakening and and coming to know myself beyond the identity of Emma. And so I'll never forget that experience. When you were, um, when you were, if you, you can probably bring yourself there, when, when you were in the midst of shaking, did you feel the fear of the identity shaking? Like it wanted, it would have felt like, I, I don't want this, but there would have been something much deeper that, that knew that this just go into it, right? yes yes it's so interesting man like uh I don't remember when we that last on our podcast but you know do you remember what month our podcast was of, it was of, October October like the start of October not I sure remember. <laughs> it, must, it must have been I'm very curious now because October 16th I got really sick mm-hmm. and um I wasn't showing it so I wonder if like in the starting phases we had our first podcast but it was the most interesting set of experiences I thought I had it it showed up as asthma then palpitations then uh anxiety panic attacks I've never had any of that in my life I'm not a guy that faces things like that and it completely shut down I couldn't train anymore and training is a part of me I couldn't do calls anymore calls are a part of me Mm -hmm. I couldn't go public anymore I couldn't see my part everything slowly everything of me was getting stripped away and I was having these these episodes we through every scan every blood test nothing right so they couldn't find what was wrong with me and it started to come down to like go to see a neurologist you might have like multiple sclerosis or something like that it started to go down that and I was thinking fuck is that is that what what the case is and I would have these episodes where my whole body uh would would feel like it's on fire like my nervous system and I would shake uncontrollably at night 
and it felt like I may need to call the ambulance. Mm -hmm. And I freaked out a few times and then it was happening every single night. So eventually I got to this point where I, I was like all of October, all of November, all of December, started to go to like January. And uh, after going through those nights and the deepest, deepest fear, uh, I, I started to get curious, what happens if I go in it? Like what happens? Like what happens if I just actually go all the way into this? What happens? Like, will I die? And that's where I got to discover what dies or what died. And I felt that when I went into it, I would I had like the most surreal death. It's like an overwhelming sensory experience and instantly symptoms go away, like almost brand new. Mm. And then and then my mind is like, yes, I'm better. And then it comes back again. So I had to like die a couple of times. And then from February, things started changing. And now March and April, mm. I feel like a lot of it was experienced up until up, up until then, but still there was a bit of mental grasping. And I feel like this, whatever I said about what remains when I go was experienced then. It just reminded me of that. And when you spoke about the meditation, it's funny how it finds us at the, the right time in the most strangest forms. In my one, a mystery illness that was bedridden technically for like three months. <laughs> absolutely I had no idea you went through that experience so thank you for sharing and I mean this is you you've probably seen I actually posted about this on my Instagram just before we jumped on is I'm obsessed with metaphysical anatomy for that reason like I've I've been in and out of hospital before and the tests show nothing but the physical experience of it is very much a real experience and that's why always for me I always go to the emotional mental root cause or understanding it as a spiritual experience before I even think oh what could this be physically because and I said this to a friend the other day it's so funny like as soon as I get a physical ailment if someone says to me what is it I automatically answer with the emotion I don't even say to them oh it's because I'm dehydrated or I'm this because I'm like well behind the dehydration is is an emotion that I'm not living life or I'm not you know and so like it's it's all of and then that's why I just love this field of work because I've been in and around this wisdom ever since I was born, really, because of my family being energy healers, reflexologists, psychics, things like that. Or we always did alternative therapy. But for the last decade, just witnessing my own physical experiences and how I've overcome that by going to the energy first rather than the physicality first. And even with my clients, it's just like, how is this not common knowledge? It blows my mind. It saves you so much time. It saves you so much questioning and suffering and needing to figure it out. And, and even that as well, it's, it's really like retraining how we approach our physicality by speaking to our body, allowing our body to communicate, because the way that I see it is that our body has its own healing intelligence, that it will always bring energetic dissonance into resonance naturally without us even having to do anything. But what happens is we don't create the space for that cycle to complete itself, for it to come to resolution. So then we stay in the, in that suffering loop because we've almost cut the circuit short um, by many different things, um, which is so interesting. But yeah, that was the experience. It was just the complete surrender of like, whoa. And, and I've had that many times of that like inner burning sensation. And it's funny because when I've experienced that, I would say I've experienced it really severely, like twice in my life where my whole body was in fire, like just underneath the skin. And it yeah. felt like I was ripping out of my body. 
Like I really just wanted to like, almost like I wanted to take the flesh suit off <laughs> and be like, I'm just thinking of the episode of the Simpsons where they take the, the flesh <laughs> things off. And there's an alien underneath. That's actually yeah. what I felt. And I know that a friend of mine who's also been very tapped in spiritually, metaphysically from a young age, she's experienced the same thing. And it's just that like complete letting go of, and just kind of like, it does feel like this breaking free and, and letting go of that identity. So and just so you know, you're certainly not alone in that experience. <laughs> it's funny, man. Yeah. Like I've I've wanted to uh, uh, speak on YouTube and just start something like an open an open mic, right? Just of my experiences. And it's funny that I haven't actually shared any. I haven't shared that to anyone other than my close people that I went through this episode, etc. But that kind of stuff is highly valuable because yeah. there's also this perception I noticed that in in sometimes in me not allowing the sharing of things like that, it almost creates like a false uh perspective or a false standard of how people look up to me then try to think like they don't have time to be sick or they don't have time to go through breakdowns and stuff like that but yeah. you know I just came out of a three-month breakdown so yeah it's very real right and it's yeah. so valuable so I'm glad that came out today yeah me too me too and it's interesting you say that because like like before we jumped on this call you know I said to you that this week has been really tough for me like mentally and, and physically and I was thinking about jumping on my Instagram and sharing this today for exactly the same reason that you said, like sometimes people say comments to me along the lines of because of my spiritual advancement, like I must not experience contrast or go to the depth that I do in, in terms of the dark places that I might go to. And, you know, the way that I see it is even in a state of enlightenment, it's not that you don't experience the contrast, it's that you no longer resist it. So we're experiencing the same things as every human would. It's just that we we don't resist it because we have the awareness to lean into it and to know it's communicating something to us. And so I might share something on my stories about that later today because um, it, it almost feels like I've been in. And, and I feel like I go through this when I go through that contrast. I almost feel like I'm existing in, in two places, two perspectives, because I can hold the perspective of the metaphysical understanding of it and simultaneously hold the perspective of my human that needs to, to go to where it needs to go to uncover what it needs to. So it's really interesting balancing that and holding that. But I feel like that's where you step into like big energy. Again, it's coming back to that resilience piece, like being able to hold the contrast and still go about your life and witness and play in both of those perspectives. That's you holding a big energy. And the way that life will mirror that back to you as you know bigger money it's bigger opportunities it's it's bigger deeper relationships because you're able to you're not running away from one or the other you're actually allowing that contrast to exist and walking with that simultaneously 100%. so I want to ask you because the life uncaged podcast to me it really represents everything surrounding liberation and liberation is such a broad word almost and it will mean something different to everyone I want to ask you, what is liberation to you? Funny that I found myself voice messaging something to somebody, client probably. Uh, and I found myself saying that that's that's right. I was sharing this and this will uh, loop around to the what what I feel liberation is. The the topic of comfort zones came back up again. And it's such a it's almost like an elementary uh, self-development thing like step out of your comfort zone and amazing things have happened <laughs> so but the irony is it's like it's so fundamental and that it's still relevant I noticed that uh, I've been living outside my comfort zone or the comfort zone or the bounds of the character of Shent for so long that I didn't realize that uh, 
I've created just a larger cage for myself. And that started to show up in many areas this past week, just highlighted of just like, wow, I'm so comfortable. Mm. And it took a little bit of a shakeup to realize how comfortable I was. Mm. And it's easier to stay here because this comfortable was there is a lot of people's uncomfortable. Mm. So I'm comparing. I'm looking at everyone else. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm I'm living this life, but I'm so comfortable with this. So I realized that I've just created a greater cage for myself and all of my stories and my thoughts are literally what, what creates these reinforced bars mm. and, and liberation is continually stepping outside of that cage or understanding that you exist outside of the cage of, of your character. Hey, that's really cool. Yeah. That's whatever. Liberation <laughs> is. <laughs> I, need to to we got that. That. <laughs> I love that. That's so beautiful. And again, it's so good to share that because it really does offer perspective, you know, for anyone listening. I love that. Amazing. So Chen, closing the podcast, how can people connect with you? Yeah. Find me on Instagram. Uh, description of this podcast. I'll most likely be on there. Shen.thambaya mm-hmm. and uh, just reach out and say hi. Don't be shy. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on for part two. And I'm sure there'll be many parts to come because we could talk into so many different spaces and places. Um, So for those of you listening, if you enjoyed or benefited from this podcast in any way, then I do invite you to screenshot this, share it on your social medias, um, tag myself, sorry, tag myself and Chent. And we would just love to hear from you and, and connect with you on there. So thank you again so much for being on the show. Thank you all.